welcome to this morning's uh, worship hour. And for those uh, streaming as well, a warm welcome to each and every one of you. <clears throat> Today, or this morning, the uh, lesson is a bit of a, uh, well, you know, I don't want to say really a negative way, but in a bit of a negative light in the sense that uh, it's entitled Do Not Love. And uh, we're going to look at this passage that, that was read by Brother Ngoni uh, from the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to verse 17. And we're going to see what we can learn and we're going to see what we can remind ourselves of what we can find in this um, you know, couple of verses in this um, um, uh, scripture here in 1 John chapter 2 regarding our life here uh, on earth. Now, in one way, right, um, this passage seems, you know, um, seems like it ought to collapse uh, under the weight of you know, other texts that can be found in the New Testament. You know, it appears to be you know, sometimes a bit out of place and almost uh, contradictory in the light of, um, uh, of the fact that, uh, you know, we as Christians are not just, um, you know, lovers, right? We are extreme in showing um, our love for one another because we are called to love to an extent, you know, that is, um, you know, quite out there. Uh, we are called to love like, you know, nobody's uh, business. I mean, um, even in Scripture, in and of itself, at least in the, Old, uh, in the New Testament, if you would, it talks a lot about love. For example, you know, we, are, uh, we love because God is love, First John 4, verse uh, 16. We love because God first loved us. Um, you know, we love our, 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 the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Example, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, verse 31. There are many other commands to love one another that can be found in Scripture. In fact, you know, th that is how the world knows that we are Christians, by our love that we have, for uh, one another, John chapter 13, verse 35. And but not only, you know, we should have love for one another, we should have love to the uh, utmost extreme in the eyes of the world. That is, we are to also love our enemies in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to verse 44. And by doing so, by loving to such extent, we actually also, you know, in scripture tells us that we fulfill uh, the law. The apostle uh, himself, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to verse 10, when he says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has what? Fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And despite all of these verses, and despite all of these commands to love and love and love and love and continue to love, we find ourselves the text that we see here uh, for today in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, which states, do not love. Which clearly states, you know, do not love. Quite contradictory, is it not? If you were to just, you know, look at scriptures on the very basic uh, value. I mean, for most of the New Testament, we are told, um, you know, to love. And suddenly we find here Apostle John in his writing in 1 John chapter 2 telling us, do not love. And the way the passage is being written here, it is written not, you know, uh, something that is supplementary. It's not written something along the lines of, oh, you should love or you shall love. It is written in, in a very command um, sense in the sense that you do not um, love, right? Meaning that if you were to violate that command, we are what? In sin, is it not? In other words, what Apostle John is trying to say here is that, you know, love can be sinful. Not all love is accepted in the eyes of God. You know, we live 
at least here in, in you know, Asian society, we, we always uh, note you know, the uh, Western culture as you know, uh, the Western uh, world. You know, we, li we live in the midst of the culture, like what Trevor Major said, you know, post-Christian uh, world. We live in a culture that needs uh, to hear um, that, that love can be sinful. It needs to hear it from us because you know, of this you know, love is love and all types of love um, is good and acceptable mentality. You know, ever heard of an argument uh, where people tell us, you know, how can you be against love? How can you be against love? Certainly, you know, Christians can't be against love because God is love. You tell me that God is love. Um, and we are called to love. Therefore, how can you stand in the way of, uh, you know, two individuals loving uh, one another? But our text here today in 1 John chapter 2 makes it very clear that there are certain instances when love can be sinful, when love can be, you know, unacceptable in the eyes of God. Question now becomes, what makes love sinful? Under what circumstances, you know, would love be considered as uh, sinful, right? That is the natural question that one would ask if we are put it in that uh, particular context. Well, first of all, love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object, or love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong direction, or the wrong uh, person, if you would. I mean, you look at verse uh, 15 in itself. We are uh, uh, told, do not love the world or the things in the world. So we are told to not love the world and the things in the world. In advance, but some might argue and say, you know, look, how contradictory is this? You're telling me, you know, do not love the world or the things in the world, but your beloved passage that everyone, you know, likes to quote a lot, that everyone, you know, holds dear to, you know, a lot of people hold dear to, John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, for God so loved the world. And now you're telling me, do not love the world or the things um, in the world? So, the question here becomes, what then is Apostle John referring to here when he uses the word uh, world, right? When he uses the word world, what is uh, Apostle John referring uh, to here is the question that we want to ask first and foremost, right? Well, it is definitely not the physical world, that is the physical earth universe that we live in here today, that is God's creation. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Verse 31, you know, um, God sees it as it, at that time that it is very uh, good, right? So it cannot be the uh, physical world that we live in today because if we do not love to the physical world, then why should we be in it, right? So it cannot be the physical world. It cannot be the, uh, you know, human world that we live in in the sense that the world that we live in here today cannot be the person or the people that's living in there because in John chapter 3, verse 16, we see God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then we see in passages in Matthew uh, before, we are to love our enemies, that is, you know, other people who are deemed to be our enemies. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love other people who, you know, is our neighbor. So it can't be the physical world. It can't be the people that's living in the world. So what then would, uh, be, would be fitting in the sense of the word world that Apostle John is using here? Can I say and suggest that it is the world of sin? That is the world of evil. That is the sphere in which sin, evil, and the wiles of the devil that exist in this world here today, that is, you know, in sat where Satan dominates, is the uh, context of which we find the word world being used here in 1 John chapter 2. Furthermore, in context of this passage, you know, it is definitely referring to sin. It is definitely referring to uh, the evil that uh, promotes sin that is ever-present in this world. Because if we were to go to, you know, a um, few verses up, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 2, it says, Apostle John writing, 
My little children, these things I write to you so that you may what? You may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for, uh, and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. So therefore, brethren and friends, the context of this Apostle, Apostle John in writing, in using the word world here, it is the sense of the world of sin that we live in, the world of sin, evil, and the wiles of the devil that we live in here. So therefore, the world that Apostle John is referring here to is that which is forbidden for man to love, is the evil order of um, mankind. The position of the world, which is, you know, of course, opposing to God, contrary to God. So when John says, do not love the world, he says, our love becomes sinful when it is directed to that system that is against God, that system that is contrary to God, the system that is anti-God, if you would. The system that, you know, that uh, the, the uh, devil uses, that is satanic in that sense. Therefore, love can be sinful when it's directed at the wrong direction, that is directed at the wrong person, that is directed at the wrong object, if you would. When one loves the world in this sense, it does, it does something to us, right? When a person loves, you know, the sin of the world and the things that exist that is contrary to God in this world, it does something to us that makes us you know, in, uh, in a position that is impossible to love the Father, that is impossible to love God. As the passage goes on in verse 15, it says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not uh, in him. You know, James himself uh, also said something very similar. In James chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So we see here, you know, a, a, a James in writing, in saying that, you know, if a person has a friendship with the world, it is enmity with God, which is, you know, which makes himself an enemy of God. And what are the things that can be found in the world? Well, in the beginning of the passage, it says adulterers and adulteresses. That is the sin of adultery in context. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God uh, and mammon. So we see here, brethren and friends, this is an either-or situation that we find um, ourselves in. You know, you cannot love the world, that is the sin of the world, and simultaneously profess to love um, God. All right. In fact, our salvation by obeying the gospel call, right, Scripture tells us that we are taken what? We are taken out of the world, not out of the physical world, because we're still here for those who are being baptized, right? We're taken out of that world, that system, that, you know, sin, if you would, right? We are taken, uh, we are brought out from darkness into His marvelous light. You know, in, in essence, we transfer kingdoms, if you would, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We transfer allegiances, right? For the allegiance to, you know, bondage of sin, to the allegiance uh, of uh, God. But if our love still, you know, is for the world, then our allegiance, you know, in, in essence, was, is, has not been legitimately transferred. Which is why, you know, going on a couple of verses below, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, um, it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have uh, continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them 
were of us. So Apostle John says here, you know, that they were never his because of their love, their affections were pointed in towards the direction that is not of God, pointed to the direction that is opposed to God. You know, a great way to see um, this picture happening here uh, will be think um, of, uh, of um, uh, the command of a man that's given uh, towards his wife. You know, husbands love your wives um, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, there is a love that husbands are called to give exclusively to their wives, right? Now, the moment you turn that love that is being called to give exclusively to your, life, uh, to your wife, uh, turn that to another, then, of course, we are guilty of the sin of what? Adultery, is it not? So it is the same point here. The moment you turn that love that we are called to have for God, that love that, you know, that is in our hearts, the minute that you turn that love that we should have for God and points it towards the direction of the uh, world, that particular very moment, we are communi communicating the fact that we do not have the love of God or we do not have the love uh, for God. Therefore, brethren and friends, we must constantly examine our hearts for the presence of this love of the world in context of which we find here. So the next question would be is, you know, you're telling me you do not love the world or the things of the world. So what are the things of this world that people, you know, love so much? What are the things in this world that we can find that people love um, so much? Well, verse 16 tells us of the wrong source of which, you know, this love becomes sinful. And that is, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of um, the world. So the first problem we have here is, you know, people pointing it towards the wrong direction, to the wrong object. And now, here, there is a problem with the source. The problem of which we find the source of which we need to love. This love for the world arises from the world. Um, just like our love for God and for the things of God arises from God himself. It is God who gives us the capacity to be able to love uh, him. But here we have the love that is arising from a different um, source. The last of the uh, flesh. The phrase here being used, the last of the flesh, refers to you know, the desires of the flesh. And some of the examples that we can find in scripture of, of desires in the, of the flesh could be found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to verse uh, 21. And it's not just expressed in the sense of sexual desires like fornication, adultery, lewdness. It also, um, you know, uh, being discussed here, at least in Galatians, of, um, you know, uh, desires that are, you know, socially inherent, like hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, drunkenness, and the likes that's being described in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to verse 21, the last of the flesh. The last of the eyes refers to, you know, the unlawful longing for things or some things which we can see. And it can be literally summed up in one word, that is covetousness. A modern day, um, you know, expression of this uh, same word could be, you know, used in the sense of materialism, uh, if you would. You know, how serious is this, you can ask? If you look at some passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. It is, you know, serious in the eyes of God. Last of the uh, eyes, or covetousness, if you would, uh, is one that is 
you know, that uh, hinders a person to be able to inherit the kingdom of Christ and um, God. And also the last one that we saw, the pride of life. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5, it says, everyone proud in heart is an abomination um, to the Lord. Right? Now, in context of which we find you know, this particular passage being written, um, in the culture of that time, right? um, to the Greeks or to the people at that time, right? um, the, pride, the word pride of life or the, or the phrase pride of life um, you know, was, is, is described as a person you know, who laid claims to possession and achievements that might not necessarily belong to them, might not necessarily you know, uh, achieve by them, but the sole purpose of doing so is so that they can exalt themselves, so that they can boast for themselves. So their conversation you know, is always a continual boasting about things that they might or might not have possessed, of, or achievements that they might or might not have achieved. All of this is done in an attempt to impress other people um, you know, to that particular degree. So in other words, you know, pride of life is, has very close um, relation or connotation to boasting. Right? Now, Apostle John is not saying here you know, that we should not enjoy the fruits of our labor. Apostle John, in writing in 1 John chapter 2, is not saying here you know, we should not enjoy the things that God has made in this world, in this beautiful world, uh, planet Earth that we live in here. For example, you know, I can love the beauty of a nice uh, sunset. I can love the beauty that can be found in nature in and of itself. You know, I can love the beauty of a perfectly cooked steak. A5 Wagyu, here I come. Great. Right? Or, you know, I can love um, other things like, um, you know, uh, like the beauty of music, the beauty of art, if you would. You know, those things in this world that God has made uh, for us to be able to enjoy, to be able to, um, you know, have... Uh, in, that, in that sense. You know, I can and I must love the people whom God has created in this world. But that kind of love that I have for those things is a love that arises from God himself. But even those love can be perverted. Even those love that seemingly, you know, should be straightforward, simple and innocent can be, you know, uh, perverted. And so now, instead of me Right? Instead of me loving the beauty of a sunset, instead of me loving the beauty of the natural order that we find ourselves in this world here called planet Earth, right? or the beauty of God's created order, if you would, now you know, suddenly I turn and I worship that said created order. I worship the creature rather than the creator. Idolatry. Instead of me enjoying and loving the beauty of a perfectly cooked steak, you know, I now want more and more and more of it, so much so that it's in, in excess gluttony. Rather than loving the beauty of those things that God has, you know, given us, now all of a sudden those things become a means to an end to satisfy myself, to gratifying my flesh, to quenching my lustful um, desires. That is when, brethren and friends, we have crossed the boundary of which we should not uh, cross. You know, true love can lead me to share, um, you know, my experience, but pride can make me exaggerate those um, experiences. True love can cause me to, uh, to use my voice to proclaim the, uh, the truth of the gospel, but pride makes me love my voice so much that I just can't stop, you know, talking. Like Apostle Paul, you know, right in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, and onwards, you know, if you do not have love, you become like a clanging symbol, is it not? 
True love can lead me to share my story, but pride causes me to make myself the hero of every story I tell. Pride of life. So our love can be sinful based on its direction. Our love can be sinful based on its source. But finally, and ultimately, and most importantly, our love becomes sinful when it produces the wrong fruit, when it leads to the wrong end. Looking at verse 17, going back to our passage, and the world is passing away and the last of it, but he who does the will of God abides uh, forever. You know, here you have these two opposite ends, right? On one hand, you have the world that is passing away, and on the other hand, you have, um, you know, uh, God who abides uh, forever. You know, love becomes sinful when it leads to the wrong end and ultimately produces the wrong uh, or incorrect fruit. One leading to eternal life in heaven and the other eternal condemnation in the lake of fire that is hell. You know, our passions become sinful when they are pointed in directions that lead to death. Our, our love becomes sinful when it's pointed to the direction that leads to destruction, as opposed to life eternal with uh, God himself. So therefore, brethren and friends, love can be sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. Love can be sinful when it comes from the wrong source and ultimately produces the wrong uh, fruit. Now, if you were to apply you know, this to the constant bombardment that we find ourselves in, in this part of the world, at the very, at very least, of alternative lifestyles, if you would, so much so that it even seeps into, you know, um, Christendom in general, if you would. The love is love crowd, and we should accept any and all kinds of types of love, uh, type of uh, crowd. But that is a love that is pointed to the wrong direction. That is a love that does not come from God. It comes from the wrong source. It is a love, you know, that, uh, you know, does not produce the correct fruit. Because... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. Uh, it's not on the slide, right? So if you have Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1, and we will start from verse 18 onwards, right? In describing the situation and the culture that we find here yeah, in this part of the world. Of, you know, at least in the context of uh, those who are uh, said, all love is acceptable. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Great. Right? So where can we find all this uh, you know, being revealed to us? Well, the scripture that we see here today, the Bible that we have here today, right, is being revealed to us. He goes on to say, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Huh. Strange, is it not? Men suppressing the truth. Truth has been revealed to us in scripture, but we see here a scripture describing certain people suppressing that truth in unrighteousness. Going on in verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. How, God? How have you shown it to them and us? Verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Huh. The natural order that we see here today, the world that we live in here, the invisible attributes that points towards one direction and one direction alone, that there is such thing as a creator that created um, this world. And it goes on to verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Huh. So that's how these people do it, is it not? Suppressing the truth. 
Not being thankful, even though it's being revealed to them. Being futile in their hearts and thoughts. Foolish and hearts that were darkened. Professing to be wise, become fools. And what did they do? In verse 23, it says, And changed the glory of the incorruptible man into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Huh. Idolatry. 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, uncleanness, in the last of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Huh. Last of the flesh, last of the eyes, pride of life. Verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Huh. Exchanging the truth of God for the lie. Love the lie more than the truth, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And worship the serve creator rather than the creator, creature, sorry, and worship the serve creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lusts for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Huh. So we see here the love that is being directed in the wrong direction. The love that is being directed in, from the wrong source and ultimately the penalty of their error which was due that produces the wrong uh, fruit. So we see here today, brethren and friends, how these are constantly being pushed to people. And us in the things that we see in movies, in culture, in fashion, many other things um, alike. It is out there, it is on our faces, and unfortunately, you know, you know, it's being urged along by people within the liberal, out-of-whack so-called churches of the world, you know, who are essentially always arguing that you know, love is always righteous, love is always godly, love is always appropriate, because God loves everyone, and God loves everything. And right here in Scripture itself, we saw, it says, do not love. There are some loves that are out of bounds. There are some loves that you know, are not acceptable in the eyes of God. In other words, there are some loves that are truly not love, even though how, you know, how magnificent or how uh, smart the world would want to uh, you know, proclaim it to be. And if you, if you are here today and you wrestle with that, the last thing that you want to do is to give in to that love that is in error and define yourself by it because... You know, that is the love of the world. Do not love the world. Do not love based on your passions. Do not love based on your, solely on your desires. But love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, which means your passions are to be turned towards Him in His direction. We must base our love that comes from God, that is from His source, in order to produce the fruit that is in accordance to His um, will. You know, this do not love the world. It's not God saying, right, um, like a parent were to say to a child. You know, listen, there is a lot of good stuff out there, but I just want to keep it away uh, from you, you know, so that you can enjoy it in a later time. That is a lie, lie of the serpent if you want to. You know, this do not love is actually telling us, like a parent telling a child, you know, this looks good to you. This may even feel good, um, you know, uh, to you, but in the end, you will perish. God is calling us away from it because God loves us. And in loving us, He wants us to abide in Him. He wants us to remain uh, with Him and to not uh, perish away. So, brethren and friends, do not love the world as exalted by Apostle John. You know, we have to remember, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, 
so that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is because God you know, is not willing that anyone should perish, but, all, but is long-suffering towards us, wanting us to come back to him through repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. To repent of our disobedience, to repent from our hearts of unbelief, to repent from whatever sin that can be found uh, in our lives that is not accordance to his will, to obey the gospel call that has the power unto salvation. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 17. We need to believe, have faith, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that he died for our sins, who is the appropriation for our sins. We need to uh, repent of our sin. We need to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And after which, we need to live our life in accordance to his will. No more from the source that comes from the world, but rather the source that comes from him, the scripture that we can find here today, to remain obedient to him so that in the end we can be found and deemed as faithful servants to him that we can receive the crown of life, everlasting life in heaven versus condemnation in the lake uh, of fire. And if you, know, you have been baptized for the forgiveness of sins, you are a Christian, but somehow or other, the, um, you know, whilst the devil you know, remain, you know, seem to be too strong and is pulling you away from the love that you should have for the Father, there is time still, as long as we repent of it, pray for forgiveness, the blood of Christ will continue to cover for the multitude of sins that has been done. Would you not think of these things, brethren and friends, as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation that we find today? Thanks for